Welcome to Patch Notes. It is, uh, how about this? It is May 17th. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to it. Um, I like I like your proposition there. Like, yeah, how about what, what if this? you accepted this premise? <laughs> what if what if it was May seventeenth? Um, and we're here. It's me and John. May and, the seventeenth uh, be with you. Oh, the special guest spoke too soon. You're banned. <laughs> I don't care what you bring to the table. Uh, no, it's 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 Charles Ugarls, uh, uh, the famed famed veteran of uh, so many podcasts that have had a uh, grim and. Terrible ends. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to joining them. <laughs> Only one had a grim and terrible end. The other died uh, with a whimper. The um, other just had an ignominious end. No, uh, uh, and that's not even technically over. Oh, good. Uh, just, just <laughs> nothing doesn't ever know is. it's dead yet. It doesn't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, we have Charles on the show today, oh, in part because he's a he's a friend of both John and mine, but also because. Uh, there's some legal stuff going on, but I feel like... Yeah, we're in trouble. A, we're in trouble. Yeah. And we've <laughs> I feel as if, yeah, we're in trouble. We need a lawyer. Um, Charles said he would uh, represent us if we let him on the podcast. Uh, it's a tough retainer, but fair. Um, no, uh, I think we should get through the non-legal news first to uh, make Charles suffer uh, sure. briefly. Um, uh, there's only two points. Uh, the one is uh, something you will appreciate, Charles. The other is not... Uh, John, do you want to cover uh, Ubisoft? Yeah, Charles so, would appreciate. Ubisoft held a held its uh, investors call for uh, twenty for the uh, fi- beginning of fis- end of fiscal year twenty twenty to twenty yeah end of fiscal year f- twenty twenty beginning of fiscal year twenty twenty one because they they're too good to count by normal calendars. And you know, so I'm sure there. this is correct. I'm taking notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and in that. In that uh, investor call and update, they had a line that a lot of gamers and other people who uh, watched this stuff waiting for the next shoe to drop uh, found kind of concerning. Um, it was the the quote is, uh, we are excited to be investing more in free-to-play experiences. Dun, dun, mm. dun. However, we want to clarify that this does not mean reducing our AAA offering. Uh, we st- uh, most of the internet stopped reading before that. Co- uh, uh, after that comma, by the way, uh, I think most of the internet was right to do that because there's uh, what Ubisoft uh, projects yeah. here is some sort of like uh, some sort of like non-entropy system where wherein like you can do you can just add stuff in. Like I'm going to do free to play, but don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing the other stuff I was doing too. Our aim is to continue to deliver premium experiences to players such as Far Cry 6, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Riders Republic. What the fuck is that? And Skull and Bones. I guess Riders Republic. Not really into Riders Republic. However, all of this will be released as exclusives on Club Penguin. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah. So, what do you think of that, John? Do you think Um, they're going to start putting out cell phone games? Yeah. Is, I think is, uh, they've they've seen the uh, success of Call of Duty Mobile, and we're like, we need that. We need to get into that. They saw the success of all the gotcha games I play, uh, and they said, there have to be other idiots out there who will just give us money for JPEGs. And yeah. They're right. Yeah. Um, how, how are you doing with your gotchas, by the way? Uh, fine. There's no, a, you're not. There's, you're playing gotchas. There's a new one out. It's a, it's a Toho gotcha, um, which is a... a, a very specific Japanese product of shooters that they made into a gotcha game, and they're uh, they're shmups, right? I only know that because of yeah. how satisfying the word shmup is to say. Yeah, well, there was an episode that I did uh, that uh, Julian called "Dinner for Shmups," which was mm. 
uh, very good. Um, I, I no, just yeah. want to make I just want to make clear that I believe you to both be just making up words. <laughs> Shmup stands for shoot 'em up, uh, oh, okay. Charles. Does that yeah. help or hurt? I, I don't know. It doesn't really stand for it. It's and it's not an abbreviation really. It's like like they just sort of like compress the word. <laughs> it's like it's oh. like if you were using if you wanted to put it on a license plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, and and I do. Uh, no, no. Uh, Toa is neat because it's. Um, I talked about it in the Patreon, but it's like it's 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 a cool uh, IP because the guy who made it, um, and it's sort of become like the company that made it is Shanghai Team Alice, but it's mostly just this one guy who made these shmups with like characters. Um, he basically just lets anyone do whatever they want with the characters as long as they get his blessing. So like, there's a ton of stuff out there, like a huge fan community who feels really invested in it. Um, so it's fun. It's, it's neat learning about something. Uh, it's also, yes, a gotcha game that I am uh, playing. Excellent. Uh, I'll so never, I'll never be free. So, uh, yeah, so Ubisoft is making noises about getting more into the free-to-play market uh, and saying it won't affect their AAA games. I guess if there is any big studio for which that is true, it is Ubisoft. They have, like, the 187 worldwide studios. Yeah, um, they, can, they can work people to death a little more. Yeah, I'm not, like, their bigger problem right now is, like, half their leadership is gone at because they can't stop uh, harassing women. Um, not, you know... Uh, resource allocation for free to play gaming. Um, that's just triple A life, baby. Yeah, well, that's why. That's why uh, part of why um, harassment uh, is skull the and bones game to play. <laughs> well, no, you pay afterwards with yeah, harassment. That's correct. That's one hundred. Historically, no, you do not. Yeah, some people play after pay afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, skull and bones. Part of the reason skull and bones is delayed is because their dev lead is gone. Um, due to uh, presiding over all of that. Um, Great. That game's been delayed like five times now. Well, I mean, it's a pirate game. We all know how pirate games go. We all saw what happened with Sea of Thieves. It is um, a dreadful experience that no one enjoys, except for the three people who will DM me and um, remind me that it's fun when you have a dedicated crew who can play uh, four nights a week and practice how to do, like, rigging and stuff. To which I say... um, by a trawler and, and become part of the grandest experiment in humankind, fishing. Yeah, it was good for like um, content creators who work in a group. Is Skull um, and Bones and no one a free to play game? No, it's it, it's still kind of unclear what Skull and Bones was. In app purchase for a cocaine addled George W. Bush skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was, there, okay, I think you're, there, you're there describing a, a much better game right now. Yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a Pirates game. It's not a Secret Society game. Um, <laughs> Probably understand, I would buy the Secret Society game day one. <laughs> Uh, an entire gameplay model based around like to, hiding just to get a job in academia. <laughs> That's, yeah, they 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 let you in if you get the high score. Um, the, the PhD is the biggest gotcha game of all. Uh, but yeah, um, that's that's a shame. That's um, I find these like I find these um, <laughs> the times when there are calls like this. I find that they so often just kind of like casually reveal. Um, really troubling things like the uh, the Final Fantasy fourteen keynote was this week, and I, I talked about a little bit about that online already. But like one of the things they just kind of like threw out there was like, oh, we're not gonna no more physical media, guys. We're we're done with that for fourteen. It's like, oh, 
that sucks. <laughs> I guess that's just the way it is now. And you just, you know, between announcements, you told me that. Uh, so I would say this is probably a bad sign for the AAA games of Ubisoft. But hey, good news. Well, I mean, were they the going to have, yeah. <laughs> AAA Ubisoft games suck. So they're, they're typically quite bad. Uh, it's possible as as that. Pumping money into Siege, it's, it's no one's problem. It's possible that one of the developments on this front is a new division game that takes place in the fucking Midwest. I don't, um, I don't, I want you to stop hurting yourself, Jeff. Um, I'm, I'm not going to play it, mostly, because I think the rumor is that it's going to be this mobile game. Mm, then I'll play it. Uh-oh. All right, so here's something Charles can sink his teeth into, too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you saw this today, Charles. Have you seen people, quote, tweeting IGN today? I did, I did. I saw, yeah. I saw that. So the biggest game news site in the world, and I, I read IGN today for the first time in a while, um, or looked at it, skimmed it. Uh, it's a really hard site to read because literally it's just like, you know, nerd culture, the movie, yeah. uh, where like every single thing you could possibly imagine existing in nerd culture shows up. Um, and there's articles about it, you know, like, oh, you know, do, do you want uh, strategy guides for following the characters' plot lines in Mass Effect? Because... If you need them, um, you might also just need, like, some real help understanding how linear storytelling works. Um, <laughs> That's real yeoman's work that we have to take every aspect of a GameFAQs text doc from, you know, 2001 and uh, and turn it into, uh, like, 387 separate web pages for the hits. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Like, it's... It's clear why they get so many hits. It also is a nightmare website for me. It makes me makes my head hurt instantly. My yep. nose start bleeding and stuff. I smell burnt toast. But there's some interesting stuff being written on it too. And, and one of the interesting things written about it is um, uh, on it rather is the uh, there was a, a basically a, a an article and I haven't read the article because it was down by the time that I uh, heard about it uh, at like advocating for Palestinian aid um, with the recent um, strikes on Gaza. Uh, something that I approve well, of. And specifically, <laughs> as I recall it, it was specifically um, aid to, like, charities yeah. helping displaced... Yes, yeah. Helping displaced victims of the it uh, wasn't bomb. yeah it, it didn't be, it didn't quite go as far as like saying like we'll donate to Hamas uh, um, yeah to be clear what Trev approves of is is the, the charities strike, yes. not the strikes yeah, right Trevor strike. Trevor is now he's he's mad at IGN for not specifically yeah. Come on. putting up a link to Hamas's Venmo yeah I just like I I, I got really excited about my Hezbollah credit card and. <laughs> What did I find? Um, no, so so this uh, very good uh, sentiment, um, you know, the, the right way to use something that you have a huge platform to do, as we saw with um, uh, with uh, Chapo's uh, patron, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't think we've ever brought up on the show. Uh, Chapo has a Patreon, not a Patreon, sorry. Chapo has a, a, a Twitch, yeah. um, Chapo FYM, and uh, they raised like $200,000 for mm-hmm. Palestine, like that's that's great to do when you have like when you like have a group of committed people who are willing to use their platform. That's like well, exactly what they should be. Well, doing. come on, everyone just loves watching Dark Souls to Scholars of the First Sin so much. I'm not sure it was the it was the cause that got them to donate all that. <laughs> I got like I I mean you're right. There were at least twelve people who yeah. watched my Dark Souls two stream. Um, but yeah, it's um I mean I get what the the author at IGM was doing. Unfortunately, IGN does not get what the author at IGN was doing, or does not appreciate it in any case. And they uh, took that down quick and put up a, a thing where they're like, hey, uh, 
the thing about IGN is we we don't we like everyone in the war, both sides. Well, I mean, it's, it's, like it's that, the that office all lives matter Israel Palestine edition. Yeah, right. it's like I mean, I think the first thing that happened. Yeah. yeah. The first thing that I saw happen was like the IGN Israel Twitter. Yeah, I like, still don't. Oh, I, yeah. I never bothered. Oh, to, yeah. I know there is an IGN Israel. I never bothered to, ver- to verify if that screen cap was real, uh, mainly oh. because I sort of liked the idea of it being real too much for me to go check to see. I mean, it wasn't it, like it didn't seem fake yeah. because the tweet itself wasn't at all funny. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, wait a second, this is like an official statement, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so like, I, I suppose if an entity at IGN is going to object, it would be IGN Israel. Israel. Um, but yeah, then the statement, there were just sort of, there are now counter statements going back, Mm -hmm. right? IGN pulled it and then they gave a kind of, um, you know, we are for peace generally statement. Just not and specifically. Then, that was a great one. I love all the veterans. Uh, here's here's to the veterans. <laughs> sides, the right? veterans of all wars. Um, yeah, very good. <laughs> very good stuff. And then, of course, they, they did like, you know, let's not let's not make this so let's not make this so like uh, so partisan. Let's save the children. Yeah, and then uh, which yeah. which is very which good. Was in the original, yeah, that was the original charity anyway. But then I, you know, John and I actually were talking about this uh, before we started recording. The the IGN uh, writers have put out a statement on Medium, basically, yep. you know, being like, "Yeah, we got pretty badly undermined here." We, all all uh, our communication from the about this from ownership happened between the hours of. 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. local. <laughs> well, I see uh, Putin's soldiers are getting their, uh, their <laughs> vodka out a little early yeah. today. Uh, <laughs> Apparently the guy, I, I, I think I knew this name at one point, um, but I'm always surprised when it, by it when it comes up. Uh, the, our, the, uh, the global capitalist hegemon guy in charge of all this is Ziff Davis. Oh, that's yeah. not a guy. That's not a guy. Oh, that's a company. That's not a guy. A company? That's a company. Okay. No, it's a guy now. It's a guy. We're inventing. A, we're inventing a new kind of dude. No, but Ziff Davis is definitely it's like Ziff Davis, CEO a, of Ziff Davis, a like first or second wave VC investor name. Right, Ziff Davis mm. from Futurama. Yeah. Right. Um, no, no, that's a company, not a person. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a terrible company as well. Um, yeah, it's a drag. Like it's it's a it's a real bummer of a story. It has a lot of the the hallmarks of what we've covered with Deadspin and what we've covered with Gizmodo, what we've covered with uh, you know Kotaku, and like it just happens like again and again and again and again. Um, I've talked about the the Cecilia stuff on that was written on Kotaku Polygon, like the fact that every every single time there is, or I guess it was just Kotaku, but like every single time there's a chance. That uh, either leadership or uh, the embedded staff of these places will disappoint you. Unfortunately, they will. Um, the other unfortunate thing here is that you're not going to get like a defector moment with IGN. IGN yeah. is IGN's the Death Star. There's like this is this is just going to be swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, uh, they, there are sites, Kotaku's in particular, who have made similar posts, and they've remained up, which is nice. So you can go there. Um, they're mostly similar in tone. I think Kotaku's um, is the most stridently pro-Palestinian um, mm-hmm. of, of a very 
pro-Palestinian group of messages. Um, obviously, you know, it, it, <laughs> seeing what we're seeing in Israel and like throwing money at something, it, does, it just feels like, you know, uh, you know, sprinkling, you know, taking a water spritzer and shooting it at a four alarm fire. But right, know, it's, yeah, it's. I mean, again, it's really it's do. it's all about it's all about using what you have to do what you can. Yep. Um, and yeah, like it's it's interesting. Someone actually, someone contacted me and asked if they could interview me about why these sites are doing this. Um, and I, I told them I won't have any interesting, like I won't have anything specific to say. It seems um, pretty obvious. Still, <laughs> still want to do it. So I. Um, but I mean, my my position here is basically like yeah, like it's, it's all uh, people are are trying to get their people are trying to use their platforms more mm-hmm. and 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 you know like it's not always appreciated by the people who own the platforms. No, it's, right. I mean, I think that's that's really all it comes down to is yeah. that the people who do our uh, type of favored um, up our own assholes somewhat. Writing, yeah, <laughs> uh, tend tend to be also somewhat leftist, and the people who bankroll the sites are more interested in uh, not offending a broader audience than. Oh that. yeah, and also, I mean, probably have sort of more conservative, if not reactionary, opinions. And, and I mean, I I think that's I think that's possibly true, but also. For even the ones who don't, somewhat behind, beside the point, like they will eventually uh, find themselves much more willing to compromise than their individual writers will. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's certainly true. <laughs> uh, and so, um, and so, you know, just where the rubber meets the road, they're just like, I want you to be more chill about the human rights in Palestine, <laughs> and you're like, pardon. <laughs> Can you can you please just chill on the whole human rights in Palestine thing? Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, sitting in a chair backwards. And these same people, these same people had these same conversations at the same high levels about uh, when these sites went dark for uh, uh, went uh, dark for that Black Lives Matter Tuesday back um, mm-hmm. May twenty. Uh, time has lost all meaning for me. It was a year ago, um, but it was early pandemic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and in that case, they decided the public was in a certain place that they've decided the public isn't in uh, the uh, Israel-Palestine situation. I'm not sure they're right about that. <laughs> well, it's a better bet. It's a better them. bet, yeah. I mean, this is like, as someone has pointed out, like, it's like the one thing that Democrats aren't even paying lip service to. Um yeah, like some, you're seeing through. some yeah. more, but you know, yeah, but like in, in like ton. leadership roles, like there's no way Nancy well, leadership has just be been like, silent. Like yeah, leader, or, or, but that's that's yeah. that is different because pre- previously Stanley Hoyer would be out here uh, yelling <laughs> and screaming about how Ilan Omar is doesn't represent the the Democratic Party. There's been none of that this time around. I mean, yeah. there's been. I mean, like, there's been a little. I think you know they said that Biden called for a ceasefire in his call with Netanyahu. Blinken said that, um, despite what some Israel PR person said, the United States hasn't received any evidence that Hamas was in the Associated Press Al Jazeera building. You know, like, which was a surprising public statement. Even if it's true, I wouldn't have expected yeah. Lincoln to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, kind of feels like uh, a fuck up, really, <laughs> on his part. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, it's hard. I try to, I try to sort of pick my 
spots to be cynical and not cynical. And I think it was on purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think he very much wanted to be like, there's only so much we're willing to put up with and you can't just uh, lie about the information that we have. You know, right. like I, you can't do it without I mean, our permission. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be that would be the line, right? Not not the destruction of the building that the oh, yeah, yeah. press was in. No. But like you lied about what we knew and like only only we can do that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That is a one way street and it goes from us to you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a shame. I mean, the, the, the whole IGN thing's a real bummer. Um I don't know what else to say about it other than that, but I think I think it's good we got some. Uh, it was not. It was nice to have Charles on for that one because, like, I feel like we got kind of a a different uh, sort of uh, socio economic political viewpoint than we usually. We have. would have had Charles to issue a really correction about Ziff Davis. <laughs> I will never. Re- I will never do that. <laughs> Ziff Davis knows what he's done. Um, all right, so here's the reason we had Charles here. Uh, the the. The massive, uh, huge, uh, earth-shattering battle between titans. Um, Can you think of another word for it? Tim Apple versus Tim Epic. (laughs) (laughs) Battle of the Tims. Um, Yeah, so we're we're talking about Apple versus Epic. um, And when people ask me what it's about, I just say it's about Apple versus Epic because I don't know what the law is. (laughs) Um, And you're correct. The only the only law I could recognize was that uh, Andrew Cuomo did not know what uh, harassment law was when he said that uh, it doesn't matter. Like I didn't intend it, so they should probably just feel okay about that. It. Guy's going to be a fun client for whoever he has to whoever he picks up once he's in, uh, he's out of the governor's office. It's mm. a very exciting time to have a client who says uh, doesn't isn't intent important in uh, in harassment, and then your lawyer gets to say uh, no. <laughs> Look, Your Honor, it wasn't harassment. It was just a little bit of harassment. <laughs> um, that's all I know, though. And so, like, we had we uh, reached out to the most qualified lawyers we could. Uh, they <laughs> they were no. busy. So we. <laughs> Sorry, this is how this is how uh, Harry Anderson got the job on Night Court, baby. <laughs> and all that matters is that I was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charles, can you tell us a little bit about? Can you give us a little like? Uh, Initial background is like why this case might be important or like what's at stake here. Uh, well, um, that I'm not exactly sure about. Like the consequences, oh, okay. the consequences honestly are a little because I'm not, uh, you know, that involved in gaming or whatever. The consequences really seem to be like I don't know how much it'll matter uh, downstream to you. Like ultimately, it would probably. Uh, it would probably decentralize a lot of app buying it you know the dev the dev costs might go down because they have to share less that sort of thing but like those i don't i you know who knows i mean everyone parades out all sort of these horribles about sort of long-term economic consequences but in the long run it is you know the gods fighting on olympus over uh, you know, a billion dollars of money. <laughs> like, and, and um, as a Fortnite dad, you're very pro. Um, you're just like you're super into uh, Epic, right? Like that's your <laughs> yeah, that's that is it. Mm-hmm. Because there is nothing uh, a father uh, likes more 
than the games his son is playing. That might be connected uh, he's not to really, his credit card. Though he has, I can't really talk about him. Uh, <laughs> I know, you, because, you could say he plays them because yeah, it's a matter no, of... No, 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 that's not even what I mean. He, like, he has gotten old enough that he's like, I don't talk about me on any of your bullshit, Dad. Um, but he's he is not really into Fortnite so much anymore. He's okay, moved on okay. to other stuff. But... Uh, but you know, one you know, God, uh, God closes a door. He opens a window. Uh, my wife became a gamer during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, my new no. book. And she my hasn't issued any edicts about not talking about her. Um, <laughs> so she has gone from uh, she has gone from um, Breath of the Wild to. Uh, to Mario World, no Odyssey. Mario Odyssey to Hollow Knight to Skyrim. Oh, well, that's uh, a path. So, that is a path. That's yeah. a troubling path for you. 2000, as a 2019 <laughs> release Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Charles doesn't understand why that's no. funny. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's funny because they release it every single year. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, I mean she will not like once. Oh, okay, but I mean once it gets boring, she will not. But. Okay, so, but now that's it. I'm the only non-gamer left. Uh, uh, but I make it up by watching The Pirates, which is much more depressing. Yeah, that's way worse. The game where you um, lose every time, even when they win. That's right. That's right. There, there are no cheat codes. Um, the only cheat code is getting Mark Cuban to buy the team. So Yeah, that's good luck. Um, so, yeah. So Okay, like, so, like, but what, what, what the case is about is... About the um, the way that Apple forces everyone who uses the App Store to share the revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Like anyone who charges for apps in the App Store has to pay 30% of the app cost to Apple. And they also have to use Apple's payment processor for it. And they also take a cut 30% more. And this is really where the issue is most acute for all in-app purchases. Ah, uh, right? okay. Yes. So that's the big thing is that you have to use Apple's payment processor for in-app purchases. And so they are arguing that Apple has monopolized the iOS market and the iOS payment processor market. Those are sort of two big antitrust claims under the Sherman Antitrust Act. And then they also have a third one, which they call a tying claim, where they say, by forcing us into the Apple store, uh, which we use to access iPhone and iPad uh, users, right? All of the iOS devices. You are also f tying your payment processor to the Apple device access. And so you are using your monopoly in one area to create a monopoly in a second area, right? Mm. Because what Epic wanted to do, and this is what they, like, this, the way the litigation started was Epic in a normal game update, right? And the updates all have to be run through Apple's uh, security testers or whatever. Like, they have to check everything that's going to go through the App Store, including the updates. They basically buried some code in one of the updates which 
inserted a second payment processor <laughs> for buying in-app purchases. Extremely mature nice. behavior. Good work. Um, and and th- and then they gave a discount to anyone who was using the Epic processor instead of the uh, Apple processor. So, it, like, it seems like Epic is trying to kind of get around um, the iOS, uh, for lack of a better word, um, alleged antitrust. Uh, I can't afford to get sued by Apple. Um, what does well, this mean I- for like? Okay. What? What? Like, what does it mean for antitrust it, law in general? Like, why? Why? Why is this? Like, why is this at all interesting? Okay. Well, it's interesting. Degree. There are a couple of things that are sort of interesting in the way that lawyers use the word interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, the okay. So the biggest thing that matters in any antitrust case uh, is market definition. Right. Like, what are you what market are you monopolizing? And if you are a monopoly defendant, you always try to make the market as big as possible. Right. The way that and if you're the and if you are the plaintiff, you are trying to make the market as small as possible to make the defendant look like the biggest piece of it. And in this case, what Epic says is that the market is for iOS app sales. I did wonder about that. They were partitioning it just so the market is what Apple controls. Correct. Mm. And the reason they do that is they define it as saying that Apple Apple product users, though this is iOS, not Mac OS, right? It's iOS. Mm. They're two separate things. And it matters because Apple treats the security issues on uh, iOS and Mac OS differently. Um, it matters to Epic. I think Apple says it doesn't matter. But so they restrict it just to iOS. And they're like, look, there are billions of uh, iPhone and iPad users who run pro, who download apps and run them on these devices, making it a standalone market that they have that Apple has market power in right at this they have literally 100% of the market and Apple's response is that's ridiculous it's ridiculous because it's too narrow because like there are all sorts of free apps that aren't covered by any of your issues because we're not charging a fee on any of it. There are apps that sell non-digital goods like Uber or Amazon or things like that. And we don't charge for non-digital goods. We only charge the 30% fee for in-app purchases. Plus, Mm. we compete with all of these other gaming systems, and Apple's mobile game stuff is a tiny piece of the market. Like, Fortnite is on all sorts, on console and PC and Switch and all, whatever. It's, like, on all of these things other uh, other than iPhones. And so... It's not the basically Apple's biggest defense is that it's an artificial market definition. It's a market definition that only works because you've made the defendant the entire market, which I ultimately may be a very strong argument. I mean, the way the the way this happened early on is um, 
once uh, once this is where we got cut off, where uh, once Apple, well, sorry, once Epic inserted the alternate payment code into Fortnite in an update, Apple did two things. One, they removed Fortnite from the App Store, and two, they removed all Epic content from the App Store, including the un- including the Unreal Engine and whatever other games they have. That was a all- fun 48 hours with every developer <laughs> on the planet freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's basically what happened. And so... Uh, so Epic, in addition to suing, they also filed a motion for a TRO, a temporary restraining order. And temporary restraining order, you have to, to get something like that, right? To get an injunction, there are basically, it's a four-step analysis for any court, right? Okay. Uh, the first thing is the likelihood of success on the merits, right? You can't get an injunction if the court thinks you're going to lose in the first place. And the court was like, look, I've looked over the papers and... I don't know what to say about likelihood of success because you do have a valid claim, right? Like there's there's meat on the bones, right? I've read the complaint. You have defined the market in a way that may be kind of narrow, but you've explained why you think it's appropriate. And I know that Apple like disagrees with all of this stuff and it's way too early for me to know who's going to win. I don't want to misjudge this, but you also don't clearly have likelihood of success here right? Irreparable harm, that also doesn't seem right. You're the one who snuck the code in. All it does is it puts you in the same place you were before. But with respect to the Unreal Engine and with respect to non-Fortnite products, they're like... It's not as close a call there. Like, you didn't have to do that to protect yourself from what you're considering, you know, an illegal payment processor or whatever. And so what, and there are two other things that basically fell along the same line called balance of equities and public interest, but neither of those analyses were interesting enough to talk about. And they were basically the same as the way she analyzed irreparable harm. So she said, they can keep Fortnite off until you delete the code. But they have to put the Unreal Engine back. Like it's too. They have taken too broad a self-help remedy here by getting <laughs> so rid that's of what, all that's affiliate what the, content. So that's what the um, the temporary uh, restraining, restraining order. order. Yeah. Right, okay. and then that and got converted into then that got converted into a preliminary injunction, which is decided on a bigger record. People get to put in more evidence. Like the TRO is you file it and it all gets resolved like really quickly. And so mm-hmm. to get a TRO, you need a really strong case. And so uh, Epic got the Unreal Engine back on. They did not get uh, Fortnite back. And then they then went through preliminary injunction process. And the judge was like, I've looked at all the like evidence more in depth that everyone has now gotten to do on a normal briefing schedule. And I still think the same thing, which is, <laughs> no, no, that's, I mean, that happens most, like that happens a lot. You know, they're like, I still think, you know, Apple is well within its rights at this stage with this amount of evidence 
to say that you breach the contract and a valid remedy is to kick you off. But with the Unreal Engine, you haven't done anything to violate the in and to violate the contract so i'm not letting them kick every one of your products off and so the unreal engine is still there but fortnite still isn't because part of like epic kind of wants to show how committed to this whole thing they have not pushed another update which removes the epic uh payment processor okay so you can't get it uh in an alternate way so what is like what's Epic's endgame here? Because it seems like they got part of what they wanted, right? Uh um, no. No. <laughs> well, I mean they did they did get part of what they wanted because Apple kicked back so hard, but that's not really what they were litigating for. They want two things. They want number one, they want to be able to have a separate payment processor so they don't have to go through Apple. And they also want to be able to sideload the Epic Games Store through the Apple App Store, right? <laughs> and yeah, Apple sure. has no interest in that either, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, selling them on that would be pretty difficult. Well, I mean, other, you know, I mean, I think uh, Google does it. Like, there are certain there are certain app stores which get sideloaded into Google. So it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be the first time, I guess. I mean, this is, I there, can't go based on anything more than I've read in the last, like, 72 hours. They clearly don't seem to be companies with the kind of relationship right now that would lead to that. Well, I mean, it's, well, I mean, yes, yes. But, I mean, <laughs> Apple claims, if, like, if you take Epic at their word, Apple controls a market in a sort of way that they don't get to make that judgment in a fit of peak, you know? <laughs> like, as sure. a market-dominant as a market dominant company, they don't get to be like, well, I think you're kind of a jerk. Um, you know, like even they if have they standards are for the store, right. Even if they are, um, you know, so, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the law. The market definition is the big one. Right. And the re like the Epic explains it in a lot of ways. They're like, first of all, it's, like it's not a small market. Like no matter how big you make the market, it's still like over a billion users, right? So right. you can say that a billion users are a small piece of the larger gaming market, but it's a significant market in its own right that Apple is monopolizing. And then yeah. they say that there are significant lock-in costs and network effects to the way people, you know, if you use one Apple device, you tend to buy like a suite of Apple products and you can't really switch back and forth from iPhone to Android because some of the stuff is incompatible and people tend not to switch very much. And there are all sorts of things that people, uh, people dis like the two sides disagree with on the facts. Mm -hmm. Like Apple introduced some exhibit where they're like, you know, 15 or 16% of new phone purchases are, you know, people switching away from Apple, you know. <laughs> and, like, both sides have introduced, like, findings of fact. And you know I love you, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, but we've talked but, about this a lot. <laughs> but each side's findings of fact were over 300 pages, and I did not oh, read those. Please don't. No, I would never <laughs> ask you to. My God, I did no, not read no. Infinite Jest to find <laughs> for 600 well, pages let me of ask uh, disputed facts and law. Let me ask you about one specific dispute that, mm -hmm. that caught people's attention. So yeah. Epic claimed that 
one of the claims that they were making, and it seemed to me, but um, it sounds like based on your explanation, I was wrong, which is why I'm glad I talked to you because, like, I don't really know. But it seemed like they were going to make this a real, like, uh, support of their case, which is, like, they were arguing that Apple is more than other stores a loss leader. Um that like they actually make plenty plenty of money everywhere else because uh, you know they don't they don't have as draconian rules and and yeah et cetera et cetera et cetera and that in fact they were losing more money on Apple than in many other stores. Um, what, wait, like, wait, you mean Epic is using Apple as a loss Ep- leader? Epic was yeah yeah Ep- well, no it was it was I'm, I'm sorry I used the word loss leader there in the way I shouldn't have. They were saying that they lose them more money. That like in fact. When the they cut. had is it the cut is different. It, it was that the profit was different that they don't just like, and I think because of the cut. But like I'm they not, were saying, I, basic. Okay, so I'm not sure that I understand that argument or how it comes up. Like I see. haven't seen that in any. I do of what I what I recall you, regards with regards that? to that is it is an exchange in the testimony where the lawyers were going lawyers going back and forth the witness, where they were just making the witness list what the cut was for every other. "Quote unquote," I guess would it be market here, but every other. Uh, um, well, but what are you? What are we talking about in cut? Are we talking profitability? Are I assume that thirty percent. The thirty. Okay. Well, there are two things. Like Google charges the same thirty percent mm-hmm. in the Google Play Store, and there are other places that charge the same thirty percent. On the other hand, payment processors like Stripe and Square and PayPal, it's all closer to three percent. Yeah. Right. And in Epic's store, it's like 12 percent. Right. Epic charges 12 (laughs) percent. And well, but they're different. Right. And even which is and I like the 12 percent is even Epic saying they're different. The way that the way that Apple justifies the 30 percent. Right. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. Right. The way Apple justifies the 30 percent is they say that we are very concerned with privacy and security and with the moral like some level of, you know, uh, moral turpitude, uh, you know. And so we screen all of the apps that come into the store. We get one hundred thousand applications a week we have a 500 person team who screens this stuff we check you know a lot of it is not done by people a lot of it is done by bots or whatever but they check for malicious code and they check for compliance with our standards and they do all of this stuff and this is because we are protecting our end users and so all of this is rat we're not just a we're not visa we're not just a payment processor we are doing this for the internet integrated Apple experience where you know that you're safe when you open an app that's available in the app store. And that's why we charge 30%. It's funny. And it's funny the circumstances under which safety and integrity come up. Well, <laughs> um, well they, they're, I mean, it comes up in the case in a bunch of ways. Some of it is, uh, you know, like, you know, there's tons of document discovery. And so any time something slipped through the cracks, it was mentioned at the trial, you know, like there were a bunch of, there were a bunch of, you know, like there was Temple Jump, which was like a Temple Run clone, but buggy and shitty. And there were uh, other, 
other apps that had malicious code. There was stuff that uh, did not, that had, you know, racy content, like a bunch of things that got through that Apple claims they prevent. And so, you know, that's Epic trying to undermine the case for 30%. It also is, they also presented evidence that Apple doesn't do this benevolently. Like there's a pretty decent documentary record that they get like a billion dollars a year in profit from the in-app purchases and the way they screen this stuff. And so like, so they argue on the facts, right? But so that is the difference between 30% and 3%. And one of the things that Apple pounded Epic on in this case is Epic charges 12%. And apparently their store is like a huge money loser. Yep. Right. It is. Yeah. And so they're like, that's why we don't charge 12%. That is their argument. The reason, yeah, uh, Epic probably responded that there's a reason it's a huge money loser and it's a promotional reason. (laughs) Right. I mean, that is exactly what they said. Now, I I, I went back and found what I was talking about specifically. Okay. Um, And I don't know if it'll be interesting at all, but like the, so like it started with, you know, one of the things that Apple was doing was, um, they, they brought up the 2020 Fortnite revenue, right? And the actual revenue they were getting. So the projected percentage of total for their revenue uh, for 2020 was 41.3% came from the PS4, 24% came from Xbox, 15% came from Switch, 123 came from PC, 0.7% from Android, 0.7% from Google, and then only 5.8% from, um, from Apple. Yeah. Um, That's market definition. That's mm -hmm. them saying that the market, that calling it an iOS market is ridiculous. We're literally just 5.8% of the Fortnite market. And so you can't call us a monopolist when we aren't even involved in 94% of the market for your product. And so that's a definitional fight. What is the relevant market for antitrust purposes? Is it the way Apple treats people who use iPhones, or is it Apple's role in the larger gaming ecosphere? Interesting. Because, I mean, one of the, like, one of the things that's attached to this, I'm pulling this all from uh, uh, Mikhail Klementov's um, uh, at Leader Grev, um, very good, very good person to follow for this stuff. Um, uh, but this is from May 3rd, and it's one of the things that... Um, Joe Kreiner said when he was uh, talking about like what Epic got out of their relationship with some of these places and why they were okay playing 30% to Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. And it says, uh, so the question, okay, and what is it that they, meaning Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, do for you that you feel that 30% is a fair number? And so he responds, in particular, those three platforms, we have weekly marketing meetings with them to discuss merchandising Fortnite in the best way possible. We are a significant revenue generator for all three of those platforms, probably in the top five, you know, revenue sources for them. Probably in the top five, you know, revenue sources for them. Uh, So they've invested interest in promoting Fortnite. We receive significant store placement we don't have to pay for. We do pay for some, but we receive significant free placement. The marketing teams and the first parties coordinate events and social media, so we see that as an ongoing relationship that is driving value for Epic. So, like, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me here is, is the way that they are essentially arguing not just for... This antitrust thing, but essentially saying that, like, Apple is not as good as these places and Ed should be, like, you know, doing better for them as a marketer. Well, Um, I mean, I think that argument is more a function of, like, 
you have to explain why 30% is anti-competitive in one situation mm. and not another. And so okay. you're like, well, it's because in one, we're just paying 30% as a listing fee. And in the second situation, we are paying 30% because they're, uh, they're a product partner. Okay. Right? Okay. And so, like, we don't consider what we're paying to Sony and Microsoft to be a listing fee. We consider that to be closer to a joint venture, whereas in the Apple scenario, they don't give us shit for the 30%. No gift bag. And they, right. <laughs> and they require they us to pay them. it on all. And it's permanent. It's not just 30% of the original purchase price, though it's a freemium game, I guess. But they're like, forever, it's 30% of everything. And we don't need them if they would just let us use an alternate payment processor. But they won't let us do it. They won't even let us mention it. Like Like the contract bars us from, you know, even saying you can go to our website and do it. Right. Like there are no there's no real way for them to do it. I mean, one of the claims they make is that they may, in addition to the antitrust claims, they make a contract claim where they call it a contract Mm -hmm. of adhesion, which is a legal term of art where the contract terms are so unfair that a court won't enforce it. But they'll never get that, right? right? Like a contract of adhesion is like Rumpelstiltskin is a contract of adhesion. You, you, you but, mostly see them but, in professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> any, contract, any contract with the stipulation that bars your finisher or makes you leave the company forever that was signed while you were on camera drunk is, is probably not. No. Austin, if you could guess my real name, you could get out of this contract. You'll never do it. You found, you found you found the topic that I know less about the <laughs> I just um, I just know that Steve Austin is a re- well, was a wrestler. And he, he was. He didn't like his boss Vince McMahon. That is true. Yeah. Both of those things are true. Uh, yeah. these, that's what I know. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I think it's, okay. I think you're like that makes sense to me, Charles. So like one thing I'll ask, just because like I'm I'm sort of I, I'm curious about it from a from like a high a high level kind of mm-hmm. like you know thirty thousand feet up. What is like if you were to characterize like Apple is X in this situation and uh, Epic is Y? Like, what is Apple in this for? And what is aside from just like they're defending themselves, but like, and and Epic is suing them. Like, what is Apple going for? What is their end game? And what is Epic's end game? Well, Apple's end game is to be able to maintain total control. Like, they refer to their system as like part of their. And this goes back to the market definition question is they consider the Apple environment a wall like this term, the term that comes up a lot is a walled garden, right? We control everything in here. We set the rules. Everyone knows what they expect. It's McDonald's hamburgers, man. Whenever you come to Apple, you get the Apple experience. And that means safety and it means privacy and whatever. But what it doesn't mean is you being able to sideload malicious code onto the games or take advantage of all of our privacy and safety structures without paying the ferryman. <laughs> and right. in this case, it's 30, we charge 30% for in-app purchases of digital stuff. That is their whole end game. Is they're like, we want this ecosystem to be pristine. And they make mm. a bunch of arguments, but the two big ones are one market definition 
And then the second is they claim that there is what they call like, even if you're a monopolist, you can get away with being a monopolist in certain circumstances. If you have like America. you're being sued for anti-competitive conduct. If you, I just talked right over the joke and I didn't even hear it. No, it's OK. Um, he just said America. People heard him. Don't worry. <laughs> um, if you have a pro-competitive justification for it. Right. Like if, even if you're a monopoly, if being a monopoly is good for consumers, then you can do it, which essentially explains Amazon, right? Sure. Amazon has cheaper prices, so the fact that they have been systematically dismantling the rest of the retail economy, courts just have sort of let it happen. And, you know, the new the new FTC chair for antitrust, Lena Khan, is one of the leading uh, academic critics of that theory, right? Hmm. Like the whole consumer welfare theory was Robert Bork and people from that era and like that Robert kind Bork. of conservative Always economic bent. Great company to be in, Robert Bork. Yes, exactly. Right. But that's but that became everything. Consumer yeah. welfare is the prevailing standard for judging antitrust cases. And it's okay. terrible because if it distorts labor markets, it doesn't matter. And if it distorts like broader retail devastation. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are consumers paying lower prices? And Lena Khan was, you know, and she sort of like really hit it when she was a student at Yale Law School and she wrote a student note about um, other analytical frameworks for antitrust. And she's now like the deputy commissioner for antitrust under Biden. So that's like a great nomination and the Senate mm. uh, was able to push her through. Um, so, you know, but what they say is we do have a pro-competitive justification, right? Safety and privacy are the big ones. But they also say, if you look at the growth, we started imposing these terms in 2008. <clears throat> and in the last 13 years, developers have made billions and billions of dollars from us by listing stuff on the app store. There are like 2 million, like close to 2 million apps available that devs are offering through us. So Apple's position is whatever complaints that Epic has, what we've done has created a good system for the people who use us. And so we are benefiting the economic environment, not crippling it, right? Epic mm. obviously disagrees because they have a separate specific goal, right? But Apple's position is that all Epic wants to do is access their walled garden for free and pay nothing, and that it's less an antitrust argument than sneaking in the back door under okay. the guise of an, an argument. Which is... Kind of convincing. Yeah, I, 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 from a layman's perspective, I kind of find Apple's argument a bit more convincing in this well, case. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, like, that's the thing. I have gone through this and I read. I, I, uh, my gut is that Apple is going to win this. Like, there are, there are some exchanges in the testimony where Epic kind of scores some blows. Like, I mean, some of this stuff is kind of baroque and stupid. Like, there is, um, I'm forgetting the name of it now because, like, like it isn't 
lingua franca to me, but there was a store that is through the Epic Games store. And so you guys probably read about this and uh, will remember the name of it. But it's a it's a it's a dot IO site that apparently oh, hosts itch itch IO, yeah. which hosts which has which basically is a come one come all strategy and so they have some adult content and stuff like that and i saw people arguing that it was like a really um a really popular forum for like uh gay and like non-binary art and people used and like it was good yeah, more or less true you know yeah. like it was good because it had like a more free-spirited and open environment for this stuff and apple was like you allow this disgusting content through your store you know and then epic fought back and they're like oh well here's evidence that you had some of this stuff in the apple store and it's a dumb sort of side fight but because one of the things that apple wants to portray themselves as is this you know safe safe place for kids? <laughs> Good cat. Like we would never <laughs> allow itch.io to get through our content monitors or whatever, you know. And right, you know. So you get like these things. The way that the way that um, the way that Epic pushes back on some of the arguments about market definition and consumer choice is that they're like the costs are so opaque to consumers, right? All they pay, they're paying like $2 for an app or, you know, 400 V-Bucks for a skin or whatever, right? They don't understand the 30% haircut that the developer is taking on any mm. of this stuff. Mm. So there's like, everything is so opaque and distant that consumers have no real active choice in the market. And so market decisions aren't really being made in any real way. And more than likely what's happening is a 30% VIG just prevents any developers from entering the market at all. And so they claim a sort of additional anti-competitive thing there, right? Like, I mean, these are two, <laughs> like, in, like, Epic is represented by Cravath, I think, and, uh, and... I'm forgetting who Apple's lawyer is, but it's Ziff like... Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ziff Davis. Mr. Mr. Ziff Davis, indeed. Uh, we meet again, sir. Um, <laughs> Previously he, to Texas uh, oil law. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they, they're... Rep I don't remember. I don't want to get it wrong. But they're represented by another big, like you know, well-resourced, you know, multiple hundreds of attorney uh, law firm, you sure. know. So they're very good at what they do <laughs> in framing their arguments as well as they can, you know. And, but, like, I really think that it's going to kind of fall apart on the market definition, honestly. Yeah, it seems like it would. I mean, based on what you just said, it's, it, that, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Okay, I mean, Apple, you. like, one of the things that Epic has done is that they're like, look, the console environment is different than the mobile environment, right? And we're also suing Google separately, <laughs> right? Because Google does the same thing in the Google Play Store. And so that they're like, we're also suing Google because Google is a walled garden. And, like, you, they call it a walled garden, but we call it a unique market, that we're that we have to pay this same vig to 
improperly. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to set all of these up as separate markets. And I, I'm, I'm not really sure that it scans and I'm not sure that it works. Um, now, but- I will say that would be something that could if they were able to make that claim, I can see how that would impact gaming from a dev perspective, like pretty seriously, because like you look at something like the Steam Marketplace and Itch and Epic and, and all of these places, like they all take a cut themselves, but it varies. Right. Mm-hmm. And like everyone has different ways of doing it. Everyone has different like approaches to it. If there was some sort of like bottom line regulation on all of them to sort of make it like a single market system or if they were acknowledged as different markets somehow, I could see that impacting the, I could see it impacting devs in that way. Like all of a sudden you are not, I don't know, like you're not, uh, it's not about like, well, do I go with the place that is the cheapest thing? Or like, do I, do I take a hit so that it's seen on steam? Um, it becomes something different. Yeah. I mean, it like, and that's, I mean, that's part of, that's part of, uh, that's part of Epic's argument is that, you know, you get more transparency, um, you know, in choice and whatever. I mean, I don't know, like there's there's so much going on. I mean, one of the like another thing that Apple says is the 30 percent is they're like, we also see ourselves not just as like they keep calling us a payment processor, but it's like we have like thousands of APIs. We are a suite of developer tools to be able to build an app for the Apple store, you know, and all of that is bundled in with the 30% that you're paying to access the environment. And so I don't know. I mean, like there's, there's really a ton going on on both sides, you know, like, like when Apple, like Apple tries to kind of treat it almost like as, um, break even, Right. They sort of talk about it and and it is Epic's position that they have like an 80 percent margin on this stuff. And so they disagree with that on the facts because Apple is like, well, I mean, it's 80 percent if you cut out all of the background investment that we put in it in the same way that like pharmaceutical companies are like, you know, yeah, we're making a lot of money on this. But we also created like 42 uh, different drugs that gave our testing mice cancer. So <laughs> it's a bath on Demazafan. I'll I'll be taking my COVID profits. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So yeah. So like, and then you get all these different things about like what is a game. Like I'm sure you that is, that about is the today's Roblox. yeah. The whole Roblox thing, like, um, is yeah, Roblox sure. a game or is it a set of experiences? A metaverse? You know? Is it is Fortnite yeah, a game or a metaverse? A metaverse right? <laughs> God. Like, whatever. Like, I don't even, I can't even figure out how that, like, comes in except Fortnite saying that Apple is playing favorites with Roblox because Roblox has in-app purchases or whatever and... You know, and yeah. and Apple is at like I mean, there's a lot of mudslinging. Like like Epic is really their whole posture in this. Like they're not asking for any money, right? They're only looking for an injunction to be able to get into the App Store, which is you know semi fake because once they get into the App Store with the alternate payment processing method, they cut <laughs> out Apple's well thirty percent. But they're saying we're not looking for backwards looking money we just want to get in and we're doing this on behalf of all devs 
right? And Apple's like, yeah, then how come the day before you sued us, you asked for a side agreement? <laughs> you remember that ad you know? they cut? The uh, the one that went off the uh, the I think it was the the Apple 1984 ad. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, that was yeah. really stupid. Incredible assholes. This entire yeah. this entire process. I you know, them. So I don't know. I mean, like I'm I'm I empathize with Epic, like sort of on behalf of smaller devs who have to pay a thirty percent vig. You know, not so much Epic, which is as big as they are, but. I I don't I'm really suspicious that this is going to be an effective strategy. I think it's going to ultimately blow up in their face. I mean, one of the mm. things that Apple says cuz they countersued and one of the thing they countersued basically just on a breach of contract theory and they're like, "Look, <laughs> the people who downloaded that update with the hot fix to add the second payment processor haven't been able to update since, but they still have the game. And so they keep buying directly from Epic <laughs> and we should be getting a cut of, and that's millions of dollars in the interim. And we should have gotten 30% of that, you know? So they, they are, are backwards looking. Oh, they definitely. Oh are. yeah. They're, they're definitely backwards looking. They're okay. saying that they, they, they are claiming that they remedied the breach in the first instance by kicking them out, but there's an ongoing breach because uh, because Epic is still getting in-app purchases directly through their own payment processor. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, you know, and then they fight over the fact, like, like one of the more complicated in antitrust senses of this is that they say there are two markets. The first market is the app store, and then the second market is the payment processor, right? And Apple's like, those are not two separate things to us. <laughs> like we consider that just one integrated whole, and because it's one integrated whole, you can't have a tying claim under antitrust law when they're both like the same product. Okay. You know, like the payment processor isn't a separate product in a separate market. They're functionally the same thing. And so, you know. That seems to be something that they can prove, actually. That that makes sense to me as well. It, well it is I mean, interesting how much Apple's claims sort of make the most sort of intuitive sense in this. In this yeah, I mean, I think, I, I don't, I mean, they, they do to me too. And they also say that the walled garden is basically ubiquitous in the industry, you know? Like Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft all have sub-environments which act as walled gardens. And so, I don't know. Like, there's there's a lot going on. <laughs> and I think, ultimately, I would... I think that Apple is going to win this. It's going to be a very expensive and painful loss for Epic, I think. I'm, th I'm also thinking Google's probably glad to be getting in second here. <laughs> Glad uh, to get no. all this hashed out the first time. I mean, yeah, I guess they're happy to not have to go through it, but you know, it'll certainly. Yeah, I think when Apple wins, Google will very quick. Like, I think Epic will be forced to settle with Google pretty quickly. Yeah. And if Apple loses, then they have to decide whether they want to push forward or wait for Apple to go through the inevitable 
uh, appeals process because there's no way that Apple will lose and then concede. Graciously lose. I was thinking purely in terms of lawyers' fees for all those lawyers to all that discovery. God, in this industry, in most of these industries, lawyers' fees are a rounding error. Yeah. Sure. Like it's a but lot not to of the lawyers. And yet, no, to the lawyers, it's real money. But to but to and it might end up being real money to Epic. But it's a rounding error to Apple. Yeah, sure. I mean, like I spent a lot of my like real lawyer career, um, like the big case, which was like really dispiriting for me, was a big generic pharma case. And one of the things that became really obvious, I was on, you know, we were representing a generic trying to bring a. A generic drug to market, and we were the the brand just sues every potential generic manufacturer because just delaying their entry to market oh, sure. is yeah. worth millions of dollars a day, and the attorney's fees that you pay in the interim are nothing. It's a coupon. Yeah, you know, I think that's and what- so. I think that's what's interesting about this case is that, like, and then and we'll, we'll wrap up. We kept you a really long time. I'm realizing how late it is. Uh, but, you know, like, I, I think, like, um, obviously you'll get last word. Uh, but what's interesting about the Epic Apple case is, like, that it is a – it's one of the rare cases where you can look at it and say, you know what? This isn't – because everyone's kind of familiar with the idea of, like, oh, you know, like, such and such says that – you know, like uh, uh, like James Woods suing um, uh, that guy who was on Twitter, Abe, um, who uh, ended up blocking me before he died. Um, <laughs> very, very sad. He's taken a yeah. turn. Uh, it, yeah, no, he he died. Uh, James Woods won that I case, know. and not he, well. He and he kept pissing on his grave. Yep, yep, exactly. It, uh, pretty pretty dark. Um, yeah. But like, but you know, Woods doing that like. Even if he didn't have a case, he could do it because it's like, well, that's what people do. They sue you until you can't afford it anymore, and then they get the win. And people understand that. I think this is one of those cases where it's like, that's not quite what's happening here. Like, no one is suing in a in a sense to like wait out the other one. There's actually like two claims being argued here, which is, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, for 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 the layman um, who I will I will represent the layman. Sure. Um, is is kind of interesting. Like a, you don't see that too much outside of television. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, there is. Yeah, there are two big. I mean, one of the reasons why I left big laws, I just sort of found that um, almost all of my work was on the side of neutral because I was <laughs> indifferent to the two big companies punching at each other. Sure, you know, <laughs> like who cares who wins this ultimately. You know, like every once in a while, there'd be an interesting principle or a side that you care about, but mostly, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it, but it all it all depends. Like in this, it, it if you believe that Apple is a unique market, then Epic has a real claim. And if you think that Apple is a market by tautology, then. Uh, it's impossible for Epic to win this case. Interesting. Well, um, love to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm just going to say, I'm going to, uh, uh, Charles, you, we always end this show with the games we're playing. Um, I've been really busy. I haven't played any games. Um, John always plays something interesting. You said your wife is playing uh, Skyrim, so I'll oh, let you off the hook. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, you're, and you're playing with, uh, with fire by telling us that. So uh, we got the two things you two are playing. Uh, John, uh, what are you playing this I'm week? Playing, I'm playing. I'm not about, sure. Um, you, you've, you've led with um, saying I'm playing something interesting, so I'll refute that. Oh, uh, no. Because I've started the Mass Effect remaster. Ah, okay, um, okay. Which is the least interesting thing to be playing right now, but I want to do it anyway. Um, so far... You, you are Garrus. Yeah. I am I am less high on Garrus than a lot of the fandom. He's he's good. But, you know, I would I he, as far I'm starting with the beginning of the trilogy, so it's Mass Effect 1. Um and, you know, Mass Effect 1 Garrus is my least favorite Garrus. I think he's everyone's least favorite Garrus because he's a fucking cop in mm-hmm. that. Um Yeah. But uh yeah, no, so I I'm I'm playing that. Everyone is rediscovering because a lot of people have seem to have a lot of like really really fond feelings for that trilogy but haven't played it since it came out. Um, and are rediscovering just how fucking horny those games are. Oh, yeah. Just insanely fucking horny. And there was this funny news cycle where the uh, the people doing the remaster were like, oh, you know, we understand that times have changed since these original games came out ten years ago. Um, which is an interesting statement in and of itself. Not that much time has changed and uh, <laughs> time has passed, or things have changed in the world of fantasy video, uh, sci-fi games like that. Um, but we we understand that you know some of the stuff that they did we did uh, back then was too much and we crossed the line and so there will be fewer camera shots of Miranda's ass. Um, boo! You just yet yeah, one yes boo. Uh, two, you have to understand that that's like going into a, a house that's been like you know wrecked by an earthquake and going up to a picture that's still hanging on the wall and sort of. Tw- making it straight again on the, on the wall. <laughs> you know, it is, the, it is the definition of the least you can possibly do. Um, like, the, fer- the very first time you meet the, uh, the, the, uh, the sexy lady race, because, um, yes, Mass Effect is a sexy lady race, if you hadn't heard. Um, oh, yeah. The entire conversation is about how she fucks. She and her people fuck. Oh um, yeah, they loved it, and they, they and they and they don't they don't they don't discriminate by gender. No, they so do not. So good news, depending on who your shepherd is, you can always marry them. Yeah, it's um, you know, there's a lot going on there. It's they've seemed to have messed something up with the AI. Like, I'm not sure if this is intentional, but this is a much ME one remastered. Is so far, I'm I'm I only just became a Spectre, so I'm like three hours into the game, um, three or four hours into the game, depending on how you how you play it. Uh, but Eden Prime, I'm playing on the highest difficulty because uh, I've beaten these games seven times. <laughs> so I need, I need some challenge in there. Uh, it is so a sick. much easier experience, um, huh. mainly because they've changed. I don't know if they've changed it on purpose. It may have been some like weird knock-on effect from moving into a new engine or something else they changed upstream. But the AI on the husk enemies, which are these zomb- tech- techno-zombies that charge you, and they're they're very you know you have to focus fire them down with your crew. Uh, they have a lot of shields. They have a lot of health, um, and they're incredibly dan- they don't have any range to attacks. But if they get within get they get into melee range, they will kill you Cross in two to three hits. Army focus fire no range. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you get in the, if they get into melee range, you're fucked. Uh, except that now instead of what they did in the original game is they, they just directly path to your position and start attacking you, like mindless zombies do. And they're fast zombies. They run. They don't shamble. I remember, yeah. Now they just sort of, like, run around in circles. Oh. Like, the AI... That's easier. The AI, yeah, it's, it's much easier. The AI, path, AI pathing is just... It's not there. I'm, I'm not sure if it was something... I haven't tried it with multiple characters. I'm not sure if it's, you know, it was a weird place. Are you sure you moved the difficulty slide the right way? <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just playing on you're playing you like check the slide you get to the end of the uh of eden prime and and it's like for a more difficult for like the full story play on normal mode yeah so i'm enjoying it um i think i'm going to be writing a piece for each game for goonhammer which is how i'm going to uh guarantee that i'll actually finish the trilogy Mm. Uh, this time through. Um, for those who care, I am actually doing the most normie male Shep playthrough possible because it's like the only one I haven't done yet. Like I've done everything else the game has to offer. So I will finally see the see the straight white man uh, portrayal of. I mean, you get to live that every Commander. day. Yes. So I, why, I mean, why bother? Right. Um, well, um, sounds good. I can't wait. Uh, so you can find Charles at uh, at you girls. U-G-A-R-L-E-S. Um, yes, that is a picture of him in his avatar. Uh, it is current. <laughs> um, that's right. Well, I still don't have a color camera. <laughs> no, that is my dad in his World War II. And you can find John at John Bernhard. Yep. Uh, his name is John, despite what he tells you. Yes. Uh, it's not Nathan. Um, that is, I mean, at this point, I, I, I accept. I, I've said this before. I, I go by both. Um, yeah, well, my my six year, seven year long running joke has just become reality. It still weirds me out when people are like, "Is Nathan like?" And I was, "Who are you? What? Why? Why are you asking me about this Nathan fellow?" Yeah. Um, also, kind of weird that people ask me about you, but I guess that's the the the. That's my signed. mystique. Uh, as the guy who's not in the Discord. Gross. Um, all right. Well, uh, and you can find me at Hagelbond. Thanks, Charles, for being on here. I really yep. appreciate you spending Thank all this time doing this. Me. This has been like we would have uh, screwed it up in you know in such miserable ways that uh, it, it, the show would have been over. So um, no, I don't yeah, even absolutely. know if Tifu is still in active litigation with things. That was oh, another God. thing that I, I sure hope really... not. I would feel really bad about Tifu being <laughs> in active litigation with phase at this point. Um, well, anyway, yeah, I, uh, any, any, any other, um, legal things that come up, we will have to, uh, get your masterful guidance, mm -hmm. but until then, thanks everyone. And we will talk to you uh, soon. Yeah. Good night.